Hey, I'm Sheena, former miserable corporate attorney turned full-time calligrapher and creative entrepreneur. I used to feel like I was living my life for other people, and now I am more true to myself than ever. And each week, I'm sharing a short but powerful lesson that I've learned on that journey. So if you're looking for a way to get more creativity and possibility into your life, you're so in the right place. Let's dive right in. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Sheena show. So it is the beginning of July, 2021. As I'm recording this, it's a strange freaking time in the world. I got to tell you here in the United States, you know, we've been more and more people are getting vaccinated. More and more things are opening up. We can dine indoors again. We don't have to wear masks. There's this feeling of things kind of going back to normal. And I know elsewhere in the world, things are not going this way. Things are locking down more than ever. There are more restrictions. People really don't know what the future is going to hold. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because it has relates directly to my topic for today, which is how to get closer to happiness right fucking now. As in, you don't have to wait to make a dramatic change in your life. And I wanted to bring up sort of the times that we're in because it's, you know, I, first of all, I just like catching up with you guys and kind of letting you know, you know, how things are in my world as I'm recording this. And here's what's been going on. I am just closing out enrollment in my intermediate online calligraphy course, Modern Calligraphy 201. And we're sort of looking at the numbers and gotta be honest with you guys, the response just feels different from when we did this exact same open enrollment and style challenge and everything in January of 2021. It feels very, very different six months later. I am kind of getting the sense that people are number one, just tired of screens. I mean, (laughs) I'm right there with you, right? After 15 months of only seeing people through Zoom, it's so, so understandable that people want to get out into the world, but I feel like there's a deeper, just something happening, a kind of wariness, a tiredness, and a kind of an existential crisis of sorts. Cause here, at least in the U S you know, things are kind of going back to normal and people are commuting into their jobs again and kind of picking up their lives where it left off, right. When the pandemic started. And I don't, necessarily know that everyone wants it to go back to normal. We had to confront some deep shit (laughs) when the world shut down in March of 2020. And those questions of, wow, I could die of this thing. Many of my loved ones maybe got sick or heaven forbid did die of this thing. My life got totally turned upside down it makes you look at things in a totally new way. It makes you question, did I like my life the way it was? Do I want it to go back to the normal that it was before? Is this an opportunity for me, for me to make a big change? And I feel like now we've gotten to a point, at least here in the U S in the pandemic, where we got to act on that question or just kind of go back to normal. So I feel like there's sort of a sense of, I don't know, unease, (laughs) still getting over things, a need to process. 
That's why I wanted to bring you today something about my story that I've never really talked about before. So if you're tuning into the Sheena show for the first time, or if you haven't heard my story before, I was a corporate lawyer, was in law, law school, all that for 10 years, quit out of the blue with no plan, explored creative stuff, found calligraphy and started my business crooked calligraphy. And now I'm super successful with my business. That's kind of the headline clickbait (laughs) version of the story, right? And it makes it sound like that drastic change in my life, quitting law, making that decision. That's what turned everything around. I made that one choice. And then from there on, it was, oh my God, my life is so much happier. I'm discovering all these things. I'm changing as a person. It makes it seem like the drastic change led to more happiness. And I'm here to tell you, it's not that way at all. Actually, I began my journey towards discovering myself, personal development, more happiness in my life way before I decided to quit law. That's a part of my journey that a lot of people don't hear about. And frankly, I don't talk about that much because it just kind of doesn't fit into the neat narrative of I made this brave, bold choice and suddenly everything got better. It's not true. I started taking steps towards more happiness. And actually that is what led me and allowed me to make that drastic change in my life. So you think that the story is make a drastic change, more happiness. When actually the truth is it's more happiness leads to a drastic change. So I am going to give you in this episode a bit of like a, a little bit more of my, you know, my story and what the years leading up to my quitting law, what they looked like, what I did. And then I'm going to give you three, just of the most practical. If you have not gone on a personal development journey, but you're interested in it, if you've heard meditation is really good for you, if you've heard a gratitude practice is really good for you, if you are looking for more happiness in life, I want to give you the three most practical tips that I, looking back at my whole journey, I wish I could tell myself. These are like the three things that if I had to distill it down would get me more happiness right now in my life. And here's the really, really good news. This all means that you don't have to upheave your life. The pandemic was enough of an upheaval already, right? You don't have to make a huge change like quitting your job and, you know, becoming a full-time creative. You can make, take steps towards happiness right at this very minute. Isn't that fucking awesome? So, okay, (laughs) let's get into, that was all introduction, (laughs) y'all. Just felt called to, to give you, I don't know, that kind of extemporaneous speech. But here's what I wanted to tell you. I quit law in 2013. Um, I had been in law for about six years and that was the time, you know, I finally quit, but let's rewind a little bit because in 2010, I was working as a lawyer in New York, actually working way more hours and working way harder in New York than I did once I moved to LA. So I was just in the thick of kind of giving my life to this law practice, you know, that I thought would make me successful and make me happy. Eventually it was what I had worked my entire life towards. But even in 2010, there was a feeling of, 
I got to do something else. This can't be all there is to life. So in 2010, what I started doing is actually, I kind of dove headfirst into meditation. (laughs) Um, A friend invited me, God bless her soul. She changed my life forever. But I went and started meditating for like 45 minutes at a time at a Zen Buddhist center in Brooklyn. It was like a pretty hardcore way to get into meditation because it's literally just sitting on a cushion, silent, with no noise and no music and no chimes and no, no guided anything, just silence for 45 minutes. It was pretty intense. And to be honest with you, I didn't stick for it with it for too long. It was a little too much, but it really did introduce me to this idea of, Hey, there is something that I can do within myself to make my life a little more peaceful and calm and happy. And I don't have to just rely on outside things going well in order to affect my own happiness. So that was like a really key, huge thing that happened. Okay. In 2011, right? So in 2010, I started kind of playing with meditation. In 2011, that same friend, she signed me up for this course called Awakening Joy. And actually it was a fully online course but all the lessons were kind of delivered via email. This was 2011, right? 10 years ago. But it was this delightful little course and it came with a book. And it was really just about doing these small things within yourself to awaken joy. And one of the first things in that book is, do you think it's possible to find more joy in your life? And I want you to answer that question for yourself because I remember when I first signed up for this course thinking, yeah, no, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not convinced. I think that people kind of have a a certain set point of happiness. And, you know, I've always been just kind of a pessimistic person who's anxious and looks for all the things that could go wrong. And I just kind of don't see how I can change that after nearly 30 years of life. But throughout that course, I kind of opened up to the idea that, okay, maybe the people who are happier in life, maybe they're not magical unicorns. Maybe they're not just lucky. Maybe they didn't, weren't born with something, you know, that got them that way. Maybe it's something that I can actually work on and develop in myself. So that was a huge thing for me in 2011. All this was happening two, three years before I actually finally got to a point where I could quit law. And here's what I'm telling you. I don't know that I would have gotten to the point of quitting if I hadn't made those initial steps. If I hadn't started to do the work of realizing, oh, my happiness is more under my control than I think. You have to think that there's something under your control, right? If you're going <laughs> to make changes in your life and and hope for more more happiness. So those little things that I started doing early on, they weren't super drastic. It was reading a book. It was meditating a little bit. It was thinking to myself, wow, maybe I can be a bit happier as a person. What would that be like? That might be kind of amazing. So here's where I want to give you, you know, that was 2010. In 2010, I started that journey and I've just been on this continuing journey of personal development, working with a life coach, really examining the beliefs that I've had my entire life about how hard life is, how I have to work so much just to be worthy of being here, how I am not enough just as I am. 
still a work in progress, but if I could go back and tell 2010 Sheena, Hey, do these three things. And I'm telling you, you will be just significantly happier with these three things. Here's what they would be. Number one is to start to notice that critical negative voice inside of you. Just start to notice it. That's the first and the most important step to starting to diminish that voice and working around that voice is just to notice it. Because if you don't know it's there, then it's sneakily invading your entire life, right? And you have no idea what to do about it. So just start to notice it. And here's an exercise that you can do for like a day, or maybe a day is too long. Maybe it's just half a day. Really just kind of notice when is that critical voice creeping in and just kind of make a tick mark on a piece of paper every time you notice it. You're probably going to be shocked by the end of that exercise, how many hundreds of times that critical voice intrudes into your thoughts. And it's, you know, everything from, ah, I shouldn't have had that third piece of bacon to, oh, you could have done that better. Or if you were a little bit faster then that wouldn't have happened or, oh my God, things are going well now, but they could change at any moment. Any of that kind of critical that negative voice, people refer to it as many different things. And, you know, you can name it if that helps you. And that feels kind of like it might be a significant step for you to really name it and like have a character in your head for like that critical voice. Um, I've heard it called the judge, <laughs> the destroyer, mom, you know, um, whatever is personal to you. But really first critical important step was to just identify that voice. And I remember when I started to realize, holy shit, I am really mean to myself. (laughs) Like I cannot do a single thing without being hypercritical of how I could have done it better. Why? I mean, I was probably lazy and unworthy and stupid to have done that. Just a constant assault, a constant barrage. And once you recognize it, you're like, wow, No wonder I struggle with stuff in life. I mean, if this is going on all the time in my head. All right. So that's step one. Okay. Just recognizing and starting to really take note of when that voice intrudes. Step two, this might be a little bit counterintuitive, but step two is to start to, when that voice comes up, your instinct might be to like beat it back, right? No, go away. I don't want you here. No, you're not needed. You don't want to do that. What you want to do instead is acknowledge and thank that voice. I know it sounds a little counterintuitive, but here's the background. That voice, the thing you want to recognize is that voice is totally trying to do its best for you. That voice is probably something you developed, I don't know, as a kid or early on in your life to help you survive, to help you, I don't know, get your parents praise or do well in school or fit in with the rest of the crowd so you don't get picked on, you know, any number of things. When you're young and you're a child and it's a matter of survival, you pick up these things and, you know, that voice is just a part of your brain, right? And your brain is just trying to help. It's just not doing a very good job. So it's doing the one thing that it thinks will help, which is point out all the negative, 
point out when you've done wrong, be critical so that, you know, it, it thinks that you can fix it. So it thinks that you can do better. So it thinks that you can avoid danger. So it's just this, sometimes I think of it as like a monkey voice or a reptile voice, some scared creature in there that's just trying really hard, desperately to keep you safe and not realizing that that constant criticism is actually kind of backfiring. So that second step is not to try and push the voice away or call it a bitch or tell it to go away, but just to say like, okay, thank you. I see what you're trying to do. Don't really need you right now at this very moment, but thank you. I see you. You're, you're helping. You're trying to help. And actually it brings just kind of a, another level of a compassionate level towards yourself. Cause really that voice is part of you, right? It's not the enemy. It's just part of you trying its best and not really realizing that it's doing a lot of harm. So compassion and thanking that voice is number two. Here's my practical tip. Number three, once you've recognized that voice and you start to thank that voice, then you want to start to change that voice, right? Not listen to it so much. And there's so many great ways to do that. But the one thing that came out of Awakening Joy, which is that course and that book that I did that really stuck with me to this very day, 10 years, and I still use it, is just switching in your brain whenever you hear yourself saying, oh, I have to do something. Just trying to switch it from I have to, to I get to. It seems so simple. And it's so powerful. It can be any little, I have to go to the gym and then think about, I get to go to the gym. Do you notice how different that second sentence, how different it feels? It's immediately invokes gratitude. Oh my God, I get to go to the gym because I can afford it. I can drive there. I can move my body. I can use my brain to think about the best exercises to do. There's so many things suddenly that turn that I have to into just a quick moment of gratitude for the things that you get to do in your life. And I know it can sound really simple and silly, but I encourage you to just try it, you know, take a day or a half day to notice that negative voice in your head, start to thank it, and then maybe take a day and just try this exercise of I have to turns into I get to. And you'd be really surprised how much of an impact that can make. I hope that those three tips kind of give you like a concrete place to start. I know that the personal development world is wide and far reaching and I am by no means an expert. I'm not a certified coach. I'm not a, a Zen leader. I'm not enlightened or anything. I just wanted to tell you from my own experience of really going through a journey from really unhappy, not trusting myself, not knowing myself, not believing I was ever enough, despite everything that I accomplished, going from there to this place where I am now, where still working on it, but I believe that I am so much more worthy that what I accomplished does not determine my value, that even if things go wrong, I know that I can get through it and come back even stronger and figure it out. I have all those tools at my disposal now, and it took a lot of work, but I'm telling you, it started with some really simple things. So I just wanted to convey the message to you in this time where we've 
we're, we're sort of starting to come out of this pandemic that really challenged our notion of what a normal life is and what we want to do with it, right? And really kind of made us face our mortality and the fact that we're not on this earth forever. It doesn't take a crazy, drastic, dramatic change in your life in order to really affect your life for the better. It takes small things done consistently and done with a purpose. So I hope that gives you some inspiration to continue on that crooked creative path because that's the small things. They can be the three things I taught you. They can be journaling for five minutes a day. They can be, it can be learning calligraphy and practicing for 20 minutes a day. It can be smiling three times more each day. It can be taking a dance break. The power of those small things is really so, so underrated. So I hope you're feeling more inspired and empowered to take action now to make your life better because you don't have to quit your job without any plan in place and make this complete 180 in your life. It can start so much more simply than that. That's what I got for you today. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you next week. Hey, if you're interested in learning calligraphy and you want to do it for free, I have a calligraphy workshop that I created just for you. I know how frustrating it is to buy the wrong tools, to not know how to use them for everything coming out of your pen to look like nonsense. That's why I created this training. It's about an hour long. It shows you exactly what tools to buy, how to prep those tools, how to get started right, and how to continue practicing so that you actually get good at calligraphy. And bonus, it will tell you a little bit more about how to continue working with me if you want to learn calligraphy from me. So that's at freecalligraphyworkshop.com. All one word, freecalligraphyworkshop.com. Hope to see you inside. Oh, you're still here. That's awesome. That means that you like the show, right? Thank you for listening to the end. And I want to ask you a really quick favor. Could you take two seconds right now, literally right now, to just leave a rating on this podcast? And if you're feeling extra generous, write a one sentence review. It really helps more people like you to find this show. You are awesome. I'll see you next time.